Welcome to The Box with Seymour Heligar, your host. I just want to say, because the next few minutes or maybe into our next podcast may be a bit turbulent for some people, I want us to perform uh, an airline's version of a pre-flight inspection from Scripture. And I want to begin with James because I love James and and that it is a like the Old Testament's version of, of wisdom for New Covenant believers. Uh, it speaks about the workings of faith, that true saving faith works. And uh, it is a result of God justifying sinners, forgiving them, cleansing them, but also giving them new affections and calling them to live exclusively for Him. So whenever we're reasoning and working through differences, uh, we want the fruit of the Spirit's work to be active in our lives, Right? Uh, so that we can discuss them humbly, uh, truthfully, and uh, realize that uh, in spite of the differences that we may have, we do pray that our convictions for the gospel, for the salvation of sinners, and also for the, the ultimate good of our fellow men, which is their salvation, not to exclude their, their earthly benefits, that that will always drive us, uh, the eternal goal. And uh, I, so I, I think about James chapter 3, that comes to mind, verses 13 through 18, and it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Uh, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and uh, be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist... Uh, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and, and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I always uh, like to think and reflect on that, that open to reason uh, aspect of, of James 3, uh, encouraging us to apply biblical wisdom, that being reasonable, open to reason, uh, gives us a, a, a disposition uh, of of patiently listening to the other side, uh, the other argument, but being resolved to be gracious as we listen to the other side, uh, not being hostile, uh, but being godly, not becoming angry or bitter or resentful toward the other party, but loving. That's a challenge, but by the Spirit of God, we can do this. Now, I just brought that up because it is for me, ultimately to meditate on. It is for us as we're listening because it is so easy to become angry with what we're seeing or angry with uh, the the opposite position that someone may hold. Now, we do realize that it is critical that we hold a, a gospel Christ-centered position and uh, that, that we, we pursue our Christ in all that we do. Uh, but then there are those who are uh, on the other side of the equation who may think that you and I are not doing enough and that we are not um, grieving with them as we should. Uh, for me personally, uh, I have been grieving over the situation, uh, but with the grief and the sorrow, with the disappointment in what we've witnessed uh, comes, I think, the necessity of a balanced perspective on what is going on. And that is biblical because we know James 1 19 through 20 says, Know this, my beloved brothers or brethren, that every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. 
or the righteousness that God desires. It, it is not possible for us to, to, to live in, in anger and bitterness and, and achieve the standard of righteousness that God wants us to pursue practically, not uh, the imputed righteousness, but the imparted righteousness that we live out in a day-to-day uh, basis. Now, just as you may know, a few days ago, I posted a warning just to the congregation that I pastor and also for others just to be cautious, be careful, be discerning that, uh, you know, we we don't weep blindly. There, there's a weeping that we can actively participate in, but it is a, it's visible, it's visual. It, it should be discerning. Uh, n- none of what I said was meant to be insensitive. Um, and, and I stand by my position that every life matter because we're one race. I, uh, those categories are not biblical, and I can't use those categories uh, because from one man he created the nations, according to the scripture. Uh, we are created in the image of God, so it's the image of God that, that should be that distinct feature in spite of our diverse features. That distinct feature is the image of God, even though we may have di- diverse cultural and ethnic differences, the image of God trumps them all. Uh, plus, uh, these racial categories are not biblical. And uh, I will repeat this throughout uh, this podcast, and this is probably going to bleed over into another podcast. Uh, but uh, I, am, I am not afraid to speak of my ethnic similarities with people of my similar melanin. And so I know that there's an, an ethnic connection and there's a history there. I'm not afraid of that. But what I will not do is I, I will not let that this that particular similarity be the ruling and overarching truth, knowing that I'm in the Lord Jesus Christ, that the, that the uniting feature and aspect that that not only breaks the barriers, but that takes those distinctions and they're no longer idols is is my identity with the Lord Jesus Christ, my savior. So when I look at the categories that's been developed, I don't mind listening to someone and then hearing them what they have to say. Uh, to that point, I have read many people's statements uh, on, on Facebook and post. Uh, I don't. I have not had a Facebook uh, account for some time. I suspended it for a while, but when I picked it up, uh, I read. I read things that people post, and I don't. I don't agree with what they say, but I'm not going to necessarily uh, go at them uh, because of that. Uh, I give people space to speak, and maybe if an opportunity comes for us to address something that they said, we'll do so, but I, I'm not on a witch hunt. Uh, but I, I, I do uh, take the time to encourage the people of God, also speak the truth when I should. Uh, there was a, an issue of, of the timing of what, what was said. That can always be questioned, right? There's, a, a, I think, a human element to that. You do what you believe is right. You pray about it. You think about it. But, you know, our hearts sometimes can be real deceptive. And so I'm not going to say that the timing was perfect or was not. But I believe that the timing was ripe. And I believe the reason why I say that is because we, we are at a very crucial point as a nation, as a people, uh, just coming off of the COVID uh, stay-at-home orders and so much instability in our society. It's, it's almost like a perfect storm. Uh, for uh, entities like uh, the the Black Lives Matter and and other movements uh, to intersect when we're at our most vulnerable position, and so my warning, I believe, is timely. That yes, I'm grieving with so many other people, 
but I'm grieving not only for George Floyd, but also Derek Chauvin and his family. I'm not only grieving for Derek Chauvin and his family, but also the other officers. I'm also grieving for George Floyd's family and, and, and some of the other lives that were killed during the protests that no one is actually protesting about, including that officer from Missouri. These are, these are grievable moments for all of us. But it is not a moment for us to be silent because someone is in grief, especially if what is coming and lurking around the corner is equally, if not more dangerous than their present distress that they believe they are sensing. Now, beginning today, I do want to reason with those who are willing to exercise biblical discernment. And uh, I want to, to, to first set a foundation and this is something that you you know or you're familiar with. Uh, I do hope that you're listening because it leads to something. Uh, what I know can happen in the tendency of the human heart, we all have this wrestling match. Uh, it is that it is easy to apply a biblical worldview when it doesn't affect us. Uh, it, it is easy to tell everyone to follow the truth, to, to do what's right until it affects us. Uh, but the issue, too, that we have to think about uh, is that our past in sin, and during our past in sin, we were developing a worldview, and it was not biblical. And so we have to think about where our view of the world sits. Is it uh, progressively developing to fit uh, the Word of God? Uh, or are we still held captive uh, due to either emotion or, or other issues, are we still held captive by the world and its view of the problems around it? This is something for us all to think about because our view is being shaped by someone or something or events in this life. Because a worldview is something we all have. And that worldview could be influenced by our experiences circumstances, the community around us, and, and other visible contributors. And uh, if that is true, and it is, then from the beginning, from our birth, sin dominates our world view. Sin dominates our world view. Now, someone who grows up in a Christian home, there's a sense in which uh, they can be shaped and molded according to biblical principles, but because of that sin nature, until God saves them, uh, the, those biblical worldviews are not going to really come alive. They may restrain them to some degree, but it's not going to really come alive into something that they will really own. And so because of our sin nature, um, that view, that sinful view of the world, that evil worldview changes when you and I grow in our knowledge of Christ and salvation. In the words of uh, Dr. Philip Ryken, he said a worldview uh, is a well-reasoned framework of beliefs and convictions that helps us see the big picture, given true and unified perspective on the meaning of human existence, end quote. And uh, every view is, is built upon certain presuppositions or what you would say facts or ideologies that you hold to. Uh, and, and so our views are, have a few concrete, but we will say facts that we think are facts, what we think is true, and also a system of belief. And so a, a presupposition will have uh, some facts and it will have faith associated with it or belief. And so the degree of our faith in God or lack of belief in God uh, is, is going to affect our worldview. Therefore, our worldview 
uh, leads us in, in one direction or another, or it, at least it serves as, as an indication of what we really believe. Now, you may know this already. You're, you probably know what I'm saying, but even if you do not consciously examine your growth in Christ over the years, if you were to truly examine yourself now, you can determine uh, your view of God. Uh, you can determine whether your view of creation is consistent with the scripture. Uh, you can determine whether or not your view of original sin is consistent with the scripture or the Lord Jesus Christ or salvation or even the world to come. Uh, because apart from salvation, your worldview concerning God, creation, sin, Christ, and the need for salvation, or even the future glory was probably rooted in this world's system or this world's structure of belief. This world has a set of propos propositions. It could be, well, God exists, but uh, he's not in my, involved in the affairs of my life, or God does not exist. And so that is a presupposition. I believe that God does not exist, which is a belief. So even an atheist has a belief or an agnostic. I'm not sure. That is a belief. Uh, being in doubt is a belief, and it is that I believe that I'm not sure. And so everyone has a worldview, an approach to how uh, they view life. And so uh, that worldview uh, will help to determine how you accept or reject what you hear. So depending on, on your view of the world, whether it's biblical or it is not biblical, it, it will set the precedence for how you embrace or how you despise what you hear. Uh, it's going to shape how you believe or what you refuse to believe if you were to read it, or whether you're willing to change your position Concerning the events around you, if you have a biblical worldview, your positions are constantly changing to fit the word of God because your worldview from your sin nature was opposed to the word of God and opposed to truth. So a biblical worldview is always, always in the process of sanctification and change. Um, an unbiblical worldview is it's either stuck in its position or getting progressively worse and away from God. So that is always a very important component. Uh, we can expound much more on the worldview, but I brought that in uh, to help shape our discussions moving forward uh, because I do trust that you will see whatever we state here during this Soapbox podcast and in the future uh, has as its basis the authority of God's word. And then the language that God calls us to speak or the way that God calls us to deal with the events in this world around us. Now, to, to that extent, it is a reason why uh, I can say um, that I am not insensitive to what is going on. I'm not insensitive to the grief in this world. Uh, it was stated that my timing was bad, but it was not out of insensitivity. It was out of a sense of urgency that a biblical worldview may not be the approach that we're all taking as we are resting with what is going on around us. And I cannot overstate, um, I cannot overstate how disturbing the video between the former officer, Derek Chauvin, and uh, his peers, uh, that display of depravity was so disheartening, was so sad, was so evil, it was so wicked, it was a shameful and it was an evil act toward a fellow human being named George Floyd. It was sickening. Uh, it was sickening and evil, but a biblical worldview from the word of God sees humanity in a broken condition. 
A biblical worldview from the scripture sees all humanity in a broken condition. And no matter how you improve the system with laws, if men is not reformed by first being transformed and primarily in regeneration by the Spirit of God, you're going to see broken men and broken women acting out in their sin and hostility toward God. What we have in our society, according to the Word of God, uh, even in Titus chapter 3, that says that we were haters and hating one another. We got to think about that. We were hating one another, which we still do. In other words, there's mutual hostility. And I want you to remember that. That the scripture, when it uses the hatred between people of different ethnicities, it's not racism because we're one race. And so racism is a very difficult concept to match with the scripture. What the scripture gives us are terms like hostility and enmity. It could be just an ethnic pride, ethnic entitlement. It's in Ephesians chapter 2 where the, the Jews uh, were looking down on the Gentiles. And this is something to consider. I do hope to look at that passage a little bit more uh, when we speak uh, another time because I'm preaching through that uh, this coming Sunday, Lord willing, uh, beginning to preach through that this Sunday, Lord willing, verses 11 through 13. But you look at that text of Scripture, and uh, the Apostle Paul spoke of something that was so special to the Jews, their circumcision. He said it was made by hands. Handmade. A phrase I use, whatever is handmade is man-made. Whatever is handmade is man-made. And Paul said, it's idolatry. Whenever you celebrate something about yourself and you put your own ethnicity at at a position of superiority, it's idolatry. And uh, so the Jews were guilty of ethnic idolatry. Uh, it was ethnic pride, yes, but it was ethnic idolatry, which means they were worshiping something that was external that God gave them as opposed to humbly worshiping God for his, his gift of salvation and whatever uh, ethnic blessings that they received, it be received, it became uh, ethnic uh, superiority, which was idolatry. Whatever is man-made and handmade, that is, is man-made. And then that is true when you think about the racial lines and, and the racial categories. It was man-made. It became an idolatry. It became a, 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 an act of superiority. Uh, it became a hammer that beat away at the very dignity of other people. And so when we use terms like black and white, that's what we're doing. And, and listen, believers, you can tell me that until you turn blue in the face if if you can turn blue, I can't, but if you can, uh, you will, cannot convince me that those terms are helpful because they're rooted in slavery and they're rooted uh, in Darwinism, which is uh, an atheist view of a God who just flat out does not exist. So now when you go back to that point, you, you have a world in hostility and in conflict since the fall. And so the best view that we can take to have a worldview is from God's position. And then we take on God's word and then we practice what God tells us to practice and how God um, uh, communicates to us from his word and how we should also use the same language in communicating to each other. And so if you were to call me a, quote, black brother in Christ, then then you're telling me I am I'm, I'm an evolved brother in Christ. 
then you're saying, well, God, you know, this guy evolved from an ape to a Christian. I know that's not what you mean, but see, when you combine those two words, it's a, it's a horrific marriage. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation in Christ. Once again, it's what the scripture uses. It's the terminology that scripture uses that we no longer see men after the flesh. You're either in Christ or you're not in Christ. And so when we are, when we are shaping our worldview, it, it must be biblical. So much so, so much so must our terms be biblical. So that being said, when I look at the, the issue between these two men, uh, Officer Chauvin and Floyd, it compels us to grieve for these two men because we're looking at humanity failing to see the significance of, of the other. It compels us to grieve, yes, but not without hope, to mourn, but not in hatred, uh, to, to be saddened, but not in bitterness, and to see that it is a, the blood of a brother that is crying out at the hands of another brother because we came from the same Adam. That takes me to another critical analysis that is biblical, um, and it is this, because we are all one race, and because racism is a lie from the adversary, there's really no way to, to use systemic racism as an argument for the church or other people to adjust what they're doing. Because that is not how scripture defines, that is not how scripture defines the problem. It does not break humanity into races because we're all one race. Uh, Romans uh, 3 verses 9 through 10, 20 uh, pitches two categories of people ethnically, a division between the Jews and the nations or the Greeks, but it's also the Gentiles, just the Jews and the other nations. But then in, in verse 20 of, of Romans 3, it, it says that all flesh stands guilty before God. Um, our ESV translation or the ESV translation says um, every human being, but it's the, 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 the original Greek calls it flesh, all flesh. Uh, so it's, it's every person. And then in Romans chapter 5, Adam is our representative head, and we're all his descendants uh, of Adam. That is articulated in, in Ephesians, I'm sorry, in Acts chapter 17, verse 26. Then Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it brings us all into this common problem because we were all given the same sin nature from the same first Adam, who is our, as it were, earth, first earthly father. And in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, it says that we were all dead in our trespasses and sins. And so now the question is, where did our worldview come from? It says that our worldview came from the course of this world. We're following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, now at work, presently at work in the sons of disobedience. So we were all dead in our trespasses and sins. Our worldview came came from this sinful world that is under the authority of the wicked one. The prince of the power of the air is not uh, the late prince, uh, the, the singer. It is Satan himself. But it is also through the use of Satan's agents or those uh, who are given over to him. And some of Satan's agents were Charles Darwin, who is the developer of superior species and lesser species, and, and he did the same thing for humanity. So he's the one, one of the founders who made calling someone like myself, quote, black, acceptable because I was from an inferior race. You also have Karl Marx, the prince of the poverty, or these men, among others, 
uh, begin to foster this civil unrest and uh, this this encouraging and also promoting of, of human rebellion against authorities. This is Karl Marx who would say that let's remove all social categories for a better world. Let's tax the rich to death, drown the middle class, and take from the law enforcement. And uh, we rob from the law enforcement because they are a high-class society. They're an elite society. And we will take from them the same law enforcement who we say need more training and give it to those who are burning buildings for it and protesting to say that there's an injustice that most likely simply does not exist. Uh, it is something that I would say is concocted. I know we talk about the social injustices in this world, but beloved, it is a societal, a human act of sin when we don't treat each other as we should. But in this, in this country of great privilege and opportunity, uh, if you put the work in and the effort in, there's a good chance that you can get there without affirmative action. Uh, once again, it is, it is a, a system for men like Karl Marx who, who, who attack order and structure because uh, the very root of, of their will and desire is to attack the order that God has established. Men like Karl Marx and, and others, including Charles Darwin, uh, practice what they did from an atheistic position, which means that humanity was in control of his or her own destiny and cannot trust God to change hearts. They must change themselves by enforcing rules and regulations, even as Karl Marx did, he wanted people eliminated who weren't on his side. So he couldn't have opposition. He wanted all opposition wiped out. And uh, he was successful in many cases doing it throughout his miserable life in sin. We have Sigmund Freud from the world of psychology who would say, don't, don't take responsibility for your sin. It's not your fault. It's the system's fault for this. Uh, it's, it's someone else's fault. It has to be your dad or your mother's fault. It couldn't be you. You're completely innocent. Or rather, it is religion that suppressed you and held, held you down. And, and you cannot live out the joys and the pleasures of this world because of Christianity. Once again, your worldview in sin says you were following the prince of the power of the air, the same spirit currently working in the unbelieving world. So if we were to say that prior to salvation, your worldview was twisted, warped, and wicked, that's true. Now, that same twisted and warped and wicked worldview is being promoted in the name of social justice and equality. It is saying that lives, black lives matter. And now someone said, well, there's a difference between saying black lives matter and the movement itself. I, I cannot say that emphatically. I'm not really confident in that. And the reason why I'm not is, is because the word black and then lives is in a category of evolution. Look, saints, I, I just don't think we can redeem a category that was birthed from Satan and, yeah, and uh, his agents. I just don't think we can. If they wanted to call themselves apes, that's fine, but they were created in the image of God, and I will not do so. I will call them as, as men created in the image of God, women created in the image of God, but they refuse to acknowledge who God is and they exchange the image of God for the image of creatures and created things, Romans chapter 1. And, and so you have this transition away from what, what God expects of humanity because of what God has created humanity to do, away from that to accepting some of the, the most doggish and foolish presuppositions and positions that you can actually imagine. It's unimaginable in one sense, but it is possible because of sin. It is that worldview that is so warped and sinful that it's creeping to the church. 
And so now you have reparations. You got you have to pay me. Yes, me, someone of my melanin back because, you know, that cotton field, I made you rich. I made your ancestors rich. You're rich. You drive what you drive because of me. You live where you live because of me. Now, on the spiritual side, I, I demand global repentance. In other words, you all have to repent. You all have to own up to your mistakes. What is really ironic is that there was a, a personality on television who says, I'm glad to see all of these changes, but then he's not satisfied. He says, but I was wondering, why did it take so long? The eye is never satisfied. You're, you're telling unbelievers to be satisfied when we know that true satisfaction only comes in Christ. You have all of these movements. And then now you have the use of racial uh, terminology or calling someone black. If it stirs grief when someone else sees another ethnic brother under the hand of an abuser, it is double grief to see acts of evil done to another coupled with words that are diametrically opposed to how God describes humanity. Look, how God describes humanity never evolves. It's in creation. It's in creation. Let us make man, which means male and female, in our own image and likeness. You say, well, you know, we use terms and those terms evolve. That's the problem. But when you're describing humanity, it begins in creation. And it is male and female. God created them. That's it. That is, that is humanity. It's either male or female. It is, it is not the black, the white, and all of these terminologies and expressions that we use. Plus, I mean, who's an African-American? Where is one? I, would, I haven't found one yet in America. I was not born in America, so I can't be African-American. I was born in the Caribbean. So if anything, I'm a Caribbean-American. I mean, are you a Greek-American? Are you? Are you a European-American? No, if you've been here long enough through several generations, you are not a Greek-American or a British-American. You are an American. And so all of these titles are not biblical. I must stop. I barely scratched the surface, but I just wanted to, to, to set the stage and kind of have a slow taxi on the runway. And I think I took off like a preacher. This is the Pastor Soapbox. May God's grace be with you. Your host is Seymour Heligar. Thank you.